Hello, my name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia. For those that are new, I briefly just want to explain how I share these messages. I should also mention that normally I do two or three messages a week, but this is already Sunday. I've had uh, other unforeseen things happening where I've had to help someone this week and probably a bit of next week yet so they can get on their own two feet and it's been a lot of work and so that is the reason there's less messages this week so I look forward to sharing with you soon and I want to share with those that are new that when I speak I seek to speak as the Word of God commands us to speak to one another it says in 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. When we minister the word of God or when we gather together to speak to one another, we are to seek to allow God to speak out of us to one another. And how does that happen? And so I want to explain how I allow that to happen when I share the word of God. There's another verse that says in Revelations 19.10, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is out of worshiping God in spirit and in truth, out of a reverent and humble heart, that we are filled with the spirit of God to overflowing. And it is out of that worship as we are worshiping with all our heart and love towards God that flows what is beyond ourselves. It can be in a song that is spontaneous. I have been in a service in the past, a church service where this ha happened often. Uh, the Spirit of God rises up in you and you know you're supposed to speak but you're afraid. Maybe a bit intimidated to speak out but you know you're supposed to speak out and edify the body of Christ because you can sense the Spirit of God rising up in you and you know he's put in you maybe just a, a crystallization of a theme or you just have some kind of impression that's been placed in your heart. And so you begin not knowing what words you're going to say and it comes out as a beautiful song as you are caught up to speak that word out of love to others that comes out of the love that you are experiencing in fellowship with God. And that is what God wants us to do. He wants us to testify of Jesus. And Jesus is glorified. He is testified to when we speak out of the Spirit of God what is beyond ourselves. It can come forth in words of edification it can come forth in many ways but it should always be coming forth out of a heart set and a mindset of worship and so I will seek to speak out of a heart set and a mindset of worship to facilitate that one of the things God has led me to do is to cast lots on the Word of God through using two independent random applications on the internet and there are many different ones even that I use but I do this with great reverence. If I'm not right with God, it doesn't work. 
I've had times when the Lord has been displeased with me. I'm not perfect yet. I'm seeking to be perfect in my love towards God, as we all should. But I, I do um, experience time and time again God leading me to the right chapters to share from. And I choose two different chapters from two independent random applications. Time and time again, these two chapters confirm each other with the same theme that then is all the more amplified by the second chapter I choose. And then I meditate on those two chapters for a half an hour and I share. I don't spend a lot of time preparing because again, I want to allow the Spirit of God to speak through me what he wants to say to his people. Now, if you read in Matthew 24 towards the end, it says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. What does it say? Giving the meat their food in right portion, in the right time. I should probably quote the verse accurately, but... Um, that's the gist of what it says. And so this is what we as leaders in the body of Christ should be doing. We shouldn't be so much caught up with a program that we want to share on this topic for the next so many weeks and so on. Yes, there's a place for, for that kind of thing as well in the body of Christ. But there's, it is all far more important that we really get what God is wanting to say and speak that to one another as individuals as well as the leadership that is led to give a major message. It should be given in a mindset and a heart set of worship that allows it to be spoken prophetically, not in the sense of the future, but in the sense of God speaking out of us. And the word of God is as silver that is refined seven times. And all of us are going through different things in our lives that purify us and that try us. And there are those that have come to a place where that word is totally purified. But I don't think there's many nowadays that can call themselves, and this is a little different than speaking prophetically, of course, a true prophet that is in such a relationship with God that when he speaks it, it's totally the pure word of God. Those that have been brought to that place, we see examples of that, such as the prophets and the word of God, such as Isaiah and Jeremiah and Nathan the prophet and so on. And Paul the apostle and Peter and so on. And they were all men of like passions. Elijah was a man of like passions. And so, I will be sharing with you the two chapters I received today, but also because I haven't spoken all week. I'm going to touch on all the different chapters to show you what the theme was each day because there was a very clear theme throughout the week that was coming forth. Not, I mean, each day had its theme. And so we need to know and hear what the Holy Spirit of God is saying to the local assemblies in the United States and Canada and throughout the world. I live here in Canada and so of course I am also very mindful of being a watchman over this nation but all the more so over the United States in this time of such great crisis 
and I'm giving this message on, I believe, October the 3rd, which is Sunday of 2021. So I want to also share with you that I cast lots on a song. And so I do want to get the right song. I just noticed the song I have here is not the right one um, that I chose. So I'm just going to go back and try to grab it again. Um, one sec. I'm sorry this happened like this. I cast lots on, on a song this time. And it was, You Are My Hiding Place. But I was using the songs. I noticed this thing when you play it, sometimes it skips to the next song. And so it may be hard to find that. I'm just going to see if I can find 177. Song 177. There it is. Hmm. I thought it was Song 177. Hmm. We'll see. <laughs> I didn't expect this to happen. We'll see what happens here. Um, with this song, maybe we'll just trust God. And maybe this is the one, though this isn't the one I've chosen, that somehow in God's providence, He wants us to hear so we'll sing this song together this time it's from a congregation that I attended years ago that no longer exists that was very talented in music and worshipped in spirit and in truth um, usually I also choose from a hymn book of 1080 songs uh, and I did get amazing grace how sweet the sound but I wanted to get it so you could read the words even though it was a familiar hymn. So that was the other song that I got by the casting of Lot today. Um, but let's sing this song uh, together before I share what God has given me from the Word of God. Hold on, I'm gonna turn it up higher. Don't know the words that well. 
Indeed, the Lord is wanting us to know his word in us beyond the power of telling that would dispel the darkness in our lives to the point that we walk as his living word that is shining out of us with life towards others. Hallelujah. You know that song that I originally got was Amazing Grace, how Sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know, the word of God says that as we've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so we are to walk in him. That is how we receive Christ. We receive Christ when we really saw who he was, who God was, when we really perceived who the true God was, and that's when you can only genuinely believe in God, is when you perceive who he really is. Or you could have an idolater's perception of God. But when you really perceive who God is and, and recognize that his holiness, that is severe on sin, is good because it means there will be no corruption because corruption is what is against all good. When you really see that, how can you not want to cry out to God for mercy as you see your need because you, God's light exposes the corruption in us, the deception in our heart. As we find ourselves time and time in, in our journey put in circumstances that expose those things that we didn't even know were in us, that God allows us to be exposed to on the unique journey that he's foreknown for us as an individual. And just like Jacob, those things on weave of our own deceptions, and the word Jacob means he will take by the heel. Jacob, the word basically meaning deceiver, became Israel a prince of God. That's what the name Israel means. And so I want to share with you now what God, by his Spirit, gave this week. Of course, I will start with yesterday, which was Saturday. I haven't tried to do anything today on Sunday as far as being led in the Word of God. So I want to share from what I received on Sunday, or pardon me, Saturday. I received Genesis 13 and Haggai 2. And there is a very clear and definite theme that I recognized in these two chapters. And I will go into it in more detail later, but right now I wanna to touch on these two and on other things that I received this week. Genesis 13 is about Abraham 
and Lot and how the herdsmen began to fight each other because they became so large with the abundance of cattle that they just were having issues with the herdmen, having contention with one another. And so Abraham says to Lot, you choose where you want to go. If you want to go that way, go that way. And I'll go this way. And of course, we know that Lot chose what looked so inviting, which was the luscious, beautiful fields and land before him, which was Sodom and Gomorrah, a place of great wickedness, but very fertile fields. And so Abraham didn't care about these things. He had such a relationship with God that his pleasure was not in the world. So he was happy to let Lot go that way because he knew such a union with God. And so there was this separation. And Haggai chapter 2 is basically talking about God's people coming into a place of holy union with God where they are separate from the world and how at that time they were defiled because they were more interested in building their own comfort zone, their own homes, than the temple of God. And it's about how God will restore his temple in the last days and will shake all things that are shakable that what is unshakable might remain. So you see the commonality. It is coming out of the world. It is coming out of the world and coming in to the place of refuge with God. Actually, the song I got from that church today was not that one. It was 177. It was, You Are My Hiding Place. It's a beautiful song, and I don't know. I could still even choose possibly to bring it up, but I just uh, don't want to get too distracted with things here. But You Are My Hiding Place is a beautiful song. And I don't understand. When I saw 177 here, I probably was going by the title, and maybe the title wasn't right, but I can't seem to find, so I won't be bothered with that to find that song, but that song really does fit in with this theme, and I will from now on be conscious when I choose these songs to not allow them to be lost like this happened this time. Now that was what I received today. What did I receive the day before? On Friday, I received Joshua 10 and Nahum 1. And basically, this is about God taking vengeance upon the enemies of the Lord. Nahum 1 is about that, and so is Joshua 10. Joshua 10 is about all of these heathen kingdoms that were coming against Joshua as he invaded the land, and they were way outnumbered by all these kings. In the natural Israel should have been totally wiped out. But instead, it says that God allowed even great hailstones to be rained down from heaven, probably meteorite shower, and it destroyed these massive armies that had come against Israel. <clears throat> and God took vengeance upon these people because they were offering their children to demons in the fire and filled with immorality. 
just like Sodom and Gomorrah. And the time is coming when God will judge the world and he will pour out his judgment upon these nations that come against his people. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> because in the last days, we are going to find our hiding place in him and he will even create strongholds of refuge as is described in Revelations chapter 12 where the woman comes and brings forth a man-child and then there's the remnant, this remnant that brought forth a man-child, the remnant of the seed of the woman the devil comes down with great wrath, but God, what does he do? He creates a place of refuge. And God is speaking about the time that is soon going to come upon us where these evil, corrupt people that right now are doing everything in their power, it's even shocking what we see happening. For example, here in BC, there's a lady who took the Moderna vaccine. And she had a terrible reaction to it, where it's done terrible damage to her health. And she's suffering with all kinds of things that are very difficult. And the law says she has to get another one, or she can, if she doesn't, she won't get a passport and she can't the special pass so that she can, you know, go in a gym or whatever it is, that she totally against the laws of this land. These people in power are violating. So there is, in Canada, the Rebel News has a crowdfunding and they're taking this to the highest levels because they're violating the laws of the land and I'm sure they will win. But the evil attempt there is even now for this to happen and how people are being deprived of their freedoms where the political powers and people that are corrupt are getting in between the doctor and the patient which is totally wrong it is a total violation of the laws of the land of the laws of the land of the United States as well so we see how corrupt people are becoming and how blind they are that they would choose a government, a leader that already said he admired the dictatorship of China. He said that. Trudeau actually said that, and it's on video. And they voted? Yeah, they're only 33% of the people because the other parties and so on, and the way it worked out. So they don't represent the majority, and yet they're forcing this on us and yet at this time there are countries that are recognizing that the card that is they're trying to impose on people is the same principle of what red china uses to control their people they have a card that grades them and this is where it's going and so god's people are being called to come out and form their strongholds of refuge for this hour but I do believe that we will see one more cycle, so to speak, before we see the very end of 
time in the Antichrist. I do believe there will be an overthrow. It's even beginning to happen because I saw on video, someone sent me, I think it was Global News or something, reporting that Denmark has lifted all restrictions and refute, and no longer do people need to use a card or worry about anything because they recognize that the present vaccine doesn't work. It spreads the virus even more. And it's just really not, it's only effective on the first one, which is the coronavirus. It's not uh, effective on the second one, which are the variants. And yet they're still forcing it on people because they want to control them. They're trying to grab power because they want a global one world government and they want to be in power. And this is an evil thing that people are doing and they're not willing to pay the price because they say, well, if I don't force this on you people, I'm going to lose my job. That's what the leader apparently in essence said here. Well, how can, you know, well, there's no excuse. Well, I was just following orders. That's what they did in Nazi Germany. But this is the kind of thing that we see happening. But there is... That's happening in Denmark. It's happening in Singapore. Singapore lifted all bans and doesn't want any cards because they recognize they don't want an oppressive system like Red China has, which is very oppressive over their own people. The Communist Party is only 1% of the Chinese people, and they don't want to be under their, this terrible system. They want to overthrow it. So that's happening. And then we see other countries. England now has apparently lifted all restrictions and I don't think they want the card as well. That's another country that just recently did this. At least that was what was on this, I think it was called the Global News or something, this video that this brother sent. And so there's Singapore, Denmark, England, and Norway also lifted all restriction and the people are celebrating and yet here there are businesses they're trying to break the businesses because they want a, just to be able to control everything because they can't control a bunch of all individual little businesses but they control the big few big companies they're already you know many of them in alignment with the, these corrupt global communists that's what's going on. And anyone that doesn't know about that should be watching frankspeech.com and americasvoice.news and go to the war room. Now, that is what I received on Friday. What did I receive on Thursday? I received Romans 9 and Job 23. Again, these two chapters completely confirm each other. There's a theme in these two chapters. Romans 9 and Job 23. What is the theme there? It says here in Job 23, 10 to 11, But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. In Romans 9, we have the same theme. It is about how God 
is the potter and we are the clay and who are we to question God? We are to trust him that he is good. As it says in Peter, them that suffer commit the keeping of their souls unto God is unto a faithful creator. He is creative. He can take the greatest contradictions, the greatest cracks in our lives that the enemy has done, the cranker worm and the locusts that has consumed almost all of our lives. And he can turn it when we turn to him. And we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways and come to be who God has called us to be in these last days, that his word might dwell in us and dispel the deception and the darkness out of our lives. As it says in Isaiah 60, in the last days gross darkness shall cover the peoples. And the Lord says, what does he say? He says, arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And God wants his glory to rise forth on his people in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. That we would shine with his power and his glorious lights. But it means that we go through trials. It means that we come to a place where we're not like a horse that bucks the rider, but we're broken in through the trials. Brothers and sisters, the whole world suffers. The whole world suffers. Everyone experiences their body gradually getting old. Oh, I know that some of these globus elitists think that they're going to be able to achieve immortality because of, I know a lot about that because I know a lot about anti-aging medicine and about what's going on. They will never achieve immortality, though they think they will. And what is it if it's just your physical body? I'm writing a book on the evidence of life after death. And the evidence is overwhelming, of course, on that. So it's not just on the evidence, it's on what people experience that are non-believers, that are from different religions, and what real genuine Christians experience, which is totally different in that they experience entering heaven in great detail of experience with God and with even their pets. God has such love that he even brings the pets that they knew on the, the earth there. And of course, there the pets can communicate telepathically and in speech, just, you know, totally different. But I'm not going to go into that. I'm writing an in-depth book, which I think will be really good on that. It's coming out in the near future. Now, I want to share with you what I got even the, and the, and so we go on in this week. And I got Acts 14 and 2 Corinthians 10. And basically what these two chapters are about is that we should only glory in God and that we should recognize that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But it says here, But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. And of course, in Acts 14, it's about these people that wanted to worship Paul because he laid hands on someone and the person got healed in front of them and they said, oh, the gods are come down to us. Did Paul let those people worship him? 
No, he tore his garment. And he says that we're just the same as you people. Well, we could have said, well, let them believe that. So they look up to us. Then we can share with them and convince them. And they can have a bit of what they have, what we have. Of course, we know that would be terrible. But there's a parallel here because sometimes we as the people of God that are leaders allow people to look up to us too highly. But God in these last days to bring his glory into his house is wanting us as his people to be in the hiding place where he is seen and we are hidden. That song that was supposed to be sung today was you are my hiding place. I even wonder if I should try to find it here. You are my hiding place. Should be here somewhere, but... Oh, there it is. Okay, let me just play it. And um, we'll sing it at this point. a beautiful song and so this is the message that really stands out in all of these things that I received this week is that God wants us to know what it means to be in his hiding place not just as individuals although that is so important but also corporately he is wanting us to be built together 
at this hour that we will have a city of light within a city of darkness, a fortress of light within a fortress of darkness. But it first begins with us as individuals coming to the place where we are broken in from being a Jacob to being an Israel. I don't know if I want to go back much further in uh, the scriptures here. I think that's enough. I'm going to go to what I received yesterday, the most recent one again, which is in... Um, I'm just going to... to Genesis 13 and Haggai 2, which is again, as I mentioned, about Abraham and Lot in Genesis 13 and in Haggai 2. And so we want to read some of the verses that are in Haggai 2. But I feel first of all to read, um, and again, I'll have to go there because I don't think I'll get. So we're going to turn to Haggai chapter 2 which I also received earlier, Haggai 1, I think it was back on September the 1st, I saw that. But this is um, Haggai chapter 2, Haggai chapter 2. Okay. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord, by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet, now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. There is such a thing as us choosing to gird up the loins of our heart and of our mind, to put on our belt, to rise up and to choose to be courageous and to choose to be strong. It is an important thing in learning to obey God because the Word of God even says, those that obey me choose to be strong and courageous to obey me. There is a verse like that in the Word of God that comes to my mind now and I know I've read it. In essence, that's what that verse says. It says, choose to be strong and courageous to obey the Lord your God. We gird ourselves up in our soul, in our being, to choose to be strong. But how is it that we do that without trusting in ourselves? And that is something that is important for us to understand because the Word of God says that we are not the concision which causes division and concision means basically that, to basically um, hurt or wound. Or, but we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and in truth and have no confidence in the flesh. The secret to choosing to, on the one hand, be strong is 
to be conscious in our choice, to be bold and courageous, to be conscious of who God is and worship him with a heart that is drawn onto him with a pure motive of love. And it is out of that love, agape love, choosing to enter into that agape love we will always find, even when we choose to be strong and courageous, that we will feel very weak in our choice of being strong and courageous. And so we don't hide our weakness in our choice to be strong and courageous, but we bring our weakness before the throne of grace. What does it say in the word of God? It says that we are to come boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need. And it goes on there, I believe, in the same chapter to describe how God is aware of our infirmities. I'm tempted to turn to it. I think it's around Hebrews, probably chapter 9 or somewhere thereabouts. But I'm tempted to turn to it. But I don't want to, I want to go on here. I'm just pointing out something here that is important to understand in our walk with God. Because time and time again, in my experience, which may not be yours, I think I'm a lot more of a deceptive person and a disobedient person than most people. That's my view of myself, honestly, because I know how much, I, I guess like King David, he said his sins were more than the hairs of his head. He was so aware, he was like Peter, that said, depart from me, O Lord, I am a sinful man. How did you ever have mercy on someone that's so deceptive and so broken? But you see, it is out of that. It is out of that heart that recognizes their need of God. We don't shrink back when we see our weaknesses and let the enemy condemn us. We become bold and strong to say, God, I will believe that you can forgive me. I will believe in your goodness and love. I will receive it, and you will bring me through this trial so that I have the strength to forgive someone that maybe is of the concision and wounded and hurt my life. But because you've circumcised my heart with your two-edged sword, my spirit is open like a flower to your love that transcends my own ability to love. Yes, God has shed abroad the love of God in our heart by the Holy Spirit so that we can love beyond ourselves because the Spirit of God is greater in us than he that is in the world and also in our own ten tendency to trust and our own abilities. Like Peter learned when he denied the Lord. Let us go on. According to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. Now they were facing enemies around them that were threatening them. And we nowadays are also seeing how terrible the crisis is in the United States. It's getting to the point where there might not be food because all the ships are backed up apparently in the millions. 
because the supply chain is being broken by these radical communists that are in the government that are trying everything before they sink ships because they see they're very unpopular. That's what all the polls show, that they're way down at record lows. So they're trying everything before their ship sinks to destroy the United States. But God is able to bring deliverance. And I believe, even as we've seen countries already breaking from the shackle of these vaccine passports, attempt to control people like the Chinese communists, we see it will begin it's beginning there and it's going to begin in the United States. And there's coming a time, I believe myself, where there's going to be a season of a great harvest that is described in Revelations chapter 14. First, there's a great harvest which is representing the harvest of souls that is described there. And right after that harvest is the great harvest of the judgment of the heathen where God treads the winepress of his wrath. And the blood comes to the horse bridles, which speaks of a great slaughter of the Antichrist and the world system that is standing behind him, of all the multitudes that have sold their souls to that evil satanic system in the last days. But before that happens, we know there's the prophecy of what's going to happen where Russia it might, be, it might not be Russia. Actually, it's more likely Turkey. It could be China. It's more likely China and Turkey. And those countries come against Israel as prophesied in Ezekiel 37. Thereabouts, 36, 37. This is about to happen. This is before. And there, when this happens, there's going to be a great harvest of souls that's going to come in. And that may only be for the next three years that this will happen in the near future in the next three years or four years and then after that there may well be the time when the antichrist comes on the scene but there's going to be this great harvest and this time of great liberty where that where this these these attempts to bring about this globalist government are broken and these people are judged and there's a great harvest of souls we know that's what will happen in the nation of Israel. And that is different than what is described in Revelations 14. That judgment there, that second harvest judgment of the grapes of wrath is the judgment of the Antichrist himself, the beast, and all those that have sold their souls to him. That's where things are going. We go on. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once, and it is a little while, and by the way, I looked this up, what this word little while really means. If you look it up, I do have it here. And I believe this is it here. Little while. Mayat, or, I, I, you know. Mahat, Mahat, pardon me. And, um, it, it basically means, it comes from the word to pair off, small or few. So it, it's like God views this as just something that is in his time clock, a moment, a little, a few. 
And so the Lord says here, yet once, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Now he made it clear to them already that the present house does not have that glory. The present house that is being restored is not as great as the glory of the first temple that was built by Solomon and under his reign. But he's talking about a house in the last days that is established when he shakes all nations. And this is not just speaking of the house that will be no doubt established in Israel, but it is speaking also of the spiritual temple that God is building in every community around the world, in, in every nation where, he, where those nations do not reject him. God is wanting to see nations come into his kingdom. It talks in Revelations 22 about the nations entering those gates. There are nations that will be saved. Your nation, the nation of the United States, the nation I am in, Canada, whatever nation you're in, you as a body of believers should have a vision to reach your nation to conquer it with the good news of the gospel. And how does that happen? It happens when we are built together as living stones, as an habitation that allows God to fully dwell within our assembly when we assemble together. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more as we go on here. Because we're talking about a place that is a hiding place. We're talking about a place that is a place of refuge. We're talking about his army, his bride church, his conquering army in these last days that will conquer the nations with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says here, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith Yahweh of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith Yahweh of hosts. And in the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, and it goes on, and it describes here, basically, how God views his people that are seeking like Lot their own comfort zone, their own little destiny more in this world than they are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that can even be that you want to be in ministry and that that's what you're seeking and you want to be looked up to as some gifted minister or whatever it is. I don't know. Or it may be that even your motives are totally pure. But it's not what God has called you to do. It is so important that we allow God to direct our paths. That we are not like the mule, the donkey, but that, or, or that we don't need bridles put in our mouth to direct us like the horse. 
If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread, or pottage, or wine, or oil, or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No, it won't be holy. So if you bear something that's holy, and you touch something that is unclean, then that thing that is holy is no longer holy. And that is true spiritually in our lives. If we condone those things that are unholy, we are partakers of their sin, just like Achan took of that and it defiled the whole camp of Israel. And until that was repented of from their midst, Israel could not conquer. God is calling his people in this hour to remove all the leaven so that we would worship him in spirit and in truth. What happened, and I preached on this recently too, by the casting of Lot. There was that one in Corinth that was having sexual relations with his mothers, and Paul said, here you are worshiping God when you should be mourning that there's such sin in your midst. They were ignoring what was happening in their midst. They weren't addressing it and dealing with it and humbling themselves and crying out to God and trying to bring deliverance to these people that were in such bondage and deception. Then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? The priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. So, those, so sin can contaminate. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. And now I pray you consider from this day and upward, from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord. Here they're in the midst of rebuilding their temple, and these things are no longer their priority. They're more interested in building their own homes. Since those days, and so can, talks about how that materially they're not prospering. And I'm just going to skip it. I smote you with blasting and mildew. Consider now from this day and upward. From the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. So we as God's people can begin to even pay a price to do what is necessary to really bring a beachhead into our community, into our city. But are we going to then be distracted by the concerns and the cares of this life so that we don't put his kingdom first? Because in the process, it's not too comfortable to do that. It's not too convenient. God is calling us, calling me. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, and yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate? And he goes on. Again, the word of the Lord came unto Haggai in the four and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down and every one by the sword of his brother. And that day saith Yahweh of hosts, I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, pardon me, 
my servant, the son of Sheltiel, saith the Lord, and I will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. We know that it says in Hebrews 12.25, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably, what? With reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And I want to touch on that. We are receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. And one of the secrets to being in the hiding place with God is that there is the genuine fear of God in us, which certainly includes reverence, but the fear of God is even more than reverence. It says here with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And so I want to touch on something that is unique to me that God has given on sharing on this, on the fear of God. The fear of God aligns with the conscience that every person has. The conscience innately knows what is good from what is bad because it, we are created in the image of God. It innately knows that there must be judgment for there to be good that prevails over what is bad. And so the conscience can see and sort out different things that it sees in its journey in life, no matter what background they're from, to come to a point where if they've never heard the gospel, they question why they're in a situation where they feel so empty inside and where what people are doing from their background seems so meaningless. And they can cry out out of that emptiness and say, God, if there's a God, show me who you are. And they have often found the true and the living God. I can give you many examples of that, but I don't want to get sidetracked. Look up the book or read the book Eternity in Their Hearts, where it describes many people that have found God that have never heard the gospel, have found Jesus Christ, have had the gospel revealed to them before it was even sent to them. It's amazing. I could tell you some amazing stories. But here's what I want to point out. Is the genuine fear of God is a choice to rightly, from the heart, to rightly recognize the reality of who God could only possibly be. Because God cannot be God if he's not an ultimate 
doesn't have a quality that is an ultimate trustworthiness. And there's only one quality that can be an ultimate trustworthiness. Because only an ultimate trustworthiness can have a quality that is good. That does not, with unlimited power in life, abuse that unlimited power in life so that there's corruption or is corrupted by unlimited power in life. There's only one quality that can be trusted with that. And though that may not be grasped intellectually necessarily, it is grasped by the heart and by the conscience. And what is that? It is, first of all, that God is love. And what is the highest form of love? It's what's known in the Bible as agape love, a love that's not just sexual love, that's the lowest form of love, not just a filial love, which is an emotional love that involves our emotions and our psyche and so on. No, it is a love way beyond that that always chooses the highest lasting good, independent of whether there's feelings or not, over any lesser choice, always chooses the highest lasting good. As such, that quality would not have corruption. Any lesser choice would have corruption. But this love has such integrity that it always chooses the highest lasting good. It is a consuming fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this agape love. This is the holiness of God, the defensive aspect of the being of God that he will not tolerate corruption. He will judge corruption. He will judge what is contrary to love. Love always chooses the highest lasting good. And that represents the negative symbol, which represents cutting off corruption, which represents an immovable, unshakable foundation. And that is represented in the word truth. Because if you look up the word true, it means that which is real. And if you look up what real means, it means that which is, or reality, it means that which is unshakable, immovable. And there's only one quality that can be unshakable and immovable, and that is this integrity of love that is a consuming fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. And then there's, out of the negative symbol, the forming of the positive symbol, which is the symbol of the cross, which is also the last letter of the alphabet in the symbolic Hebrew from 1500 BC and back earlier. And not only the Hebrew, other languages all have the same symbol at that time. It's exactly the way the cross is that we see it today. And that word meant in that time, way back 1500 B.C. and earlier, it meant sign or symbol. And the cross is a sign or symbol. And what does the cross represent? It represents not only the perfection of God's love that will not tolerate sin, but how ultimate that love is, that it could be so ultimate that God himself would have such a quality of love that he could take judgment upon himself. He always had that quality. 
and it was verified in the fact that he entered into this time and space realm in Jesus Christ, who is the full expression of the being of God, into creation, to communicate and experience creation and have fellowship with creation. I don't want to get into too much detail, but in Genesis 18, you have Abraham having three angels appear, and one of them is Yahweh, which is the name for God. And he gives them food, the same as who, who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is fully God. Only God can save us. If, if it was a creature that could save us, we would be worshiping a creature. And in Revelations, they're worshiping the Lamb of God. And he's not a creature. He is God. He is the very full expression of God in communication in the time and space realm with his creation. The Father God is beyond the time and space realm, seeing the end from the beginning. God is beyond our comprehension. And so, God's love is so great that in Jesus Christ, he came into this world and suffered more than you, a mere creature, and humbled himself more than you, a mere creature. Man, when you grasp that, and you think that he loved you as an individual that much, and he did, he would have done it if it was just you. He did it for the whole world so that they could choose to repent and embrace his atoning work on the cross where he took judgment upon himself, where out of his love he poured out his life's blood and his body in such torment for you so that you could be cleansed and forgiven of sin. You see, God is so great that he's that great, that his love is that great. There's only one God. And for God to be one God, he has to be able to, to be in conscious personage beyond time and space as well at the same time as being in constant conscious personage in time and space and filling all space of all dimensions. So there's only one God. And so he has given you the opportunity to receive him so that you can receive eternal life. And so when we perceive God in these two aspects of his being, in his holiness or in the integrity of his love and in his mercy, we are rightly perceiving God. And when there's that right perception of God, we don't have an attitude of rebellion or bitterness over the consequences of sin which so many have had like Cain so that they perceive God as some dictator. No. We are here to rightly perceive God. And you cannot genuinely believe in Jesus Christ to be saved or believe in God to be saved if you don't choose first of all to fear God which is to rightly perceive who God is that he is the only ultimate trustworthiness. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater than this or that could exist that isn't greater than a love like this. This is who God is. Is he not worthy of all our love when he loves us so much and is creating for us a wonderful world? I'm writing a book on the evidence of life after death. Look up 
For example, Dean Braxton. Braxton is spelled B-R-A-X-T-O-N. Dean Braxton. And put in front of it NDE, which stands for near-death experiences, which is a common term for this. And he describes what he experienced. He was highly verified as dead by medical equipment and doctors for an hour and 45 minutes, approximately. He really experienced entering heaven. And he said that God loved him so much personally like it, that it was like he was the only one that existed in the universe. It was like God only had died for him. This was the kind of love when he saw Jesus Christ and was at his feet that he experienced. The love was so intense it knocked him to the ground. It was just so powerful. In fact, it is the very source that causes light and life and intelligence in heaven. There's no sun that's shining there. The light is God himself. And the source of that light is this love, this ultimate negative and positive, so to speak, which is the integrity of God's love and the grace of God or the mercy of God that endures forever, as the Word of God says. He is calling us back to the genuine fear of God. And so in closing, I want to share a few more verses. In Isaiah 55, 1, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend? Why would you want to spend your money on things that do not satisfy? That's what the next verse says. How many of us grasp, like a lot, we go our own ways and we're not really seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and really trusting that he can provide our needs because we're obviously trying to work it out ourselves. I've done it for years. I tried to, I could have made lots of money on the internet. I could have been a millionaire by now. I know I could have. But I sacrificed it over and over but I was still doing it and deceived to think I could somehow spend all my time in prayer and doing these other things. And yet, no, I had to spend a lot of time and neglect my prayer life, and I didn't want to. And I believe God's going to honor me for that. Yeah, because of that, I got in debt. It's not out of control right now, but I, I will say that I do appreciate, you know, your support on my website. I have a book coming out on life after death. It's going to be very powerful. Um, but I want to share this book first of all because this book is titled God Headship and Body Invasion and it's in what you should do in your local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly to become that temple that is the habitation of God that will break the darkness over your city and community there's lots of things in this book about the best way to do communion the best way to do water baptism and many there's suggestions you know they're not it's not a I'm just every area is covered but the main thing is that we become as house of prayer forget about pre-service prayer meetings get on your faces before God and begin to cry out to him in your main church services start your church service on your face before God in prayer and cry out to him until his glory comes down until you're more conscious of Christ in your midst in your assembly, then you are of the leadership. And then out of that comes worship. Out of that comes the gifts of the Spirit. And as people begin to share it, it should be facilitated. It should be encouraged. 
Oh, so there might be a mess here and there. Okay, most of God's people are going to be in tune to have a word from God. And then after that, the leadership knows what the Spirit is saying and they will speak according to what the Spirit is saying and their message will be far more greatly enhanced. This is important. To conquer your nation. This is a strategy that is in conformity to God's zeal and pleasure for these last days to fulfill John 17. And it needs to catch fire and people need to repent of their ways and come into his ways in assembly and also in their individual lives. This book is an evangelistic book. Evolution, delusion, solution. It's just a super abridged edition. If you don't want to buy that, well, you go to my website at ultimatemeaning.com and use the flip book there and tell people. Go to ultimatemeaning.com. It's free. And there you have what also I can send as literature to you. I should put it up so that people can download it so you can print it out. But all kinds of YouTube links. Everything against evolution and pointing to the reality of the one true God. Yahweh, the Almighty's One. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another verse. It says, this is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all nations. And what is that hand, God's purpose? He's going to allow the nations to labor over vanity till they come to the end of themselves and fall apart and are shaken as described here. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken that what is unshakable will remain and what is going to remain are those that have come together as living stones and become a place of refuge for these last days, a hiding place, a resting place for the glory of God. This book also describes things to do if you're facing... an EMP attack or whatever it is. It's very practical as well. It's got a lot on tongues. Many things. So God bless you and my prayer is that you will catch this vision and run with it. And you would help support me if you bought these books or if you just shared about them with others. I also have, I haven't shared this ever before, but I do have, I have put up on my other site, helpsheal.com, that's H-E-L-P-S-H-E-A-L, helps heal, like this helps heal you. I have there a post that I just put up where I think I've found something that is the most powerful thing to protect that's natural because you can't even get hydroxychloroquine, which they're deliberately withholding when people should have it, and ivermectin. These are things that are working in other countries that even haven't had the vaccine in Africa, and they've already got it totally under control, and they, only, they don't have any problem with a bunch of people dying there. They've just used those two things. But when they won't even give you that deliberately here because they want to control you, well, there's some natural products. I have it on my post at helpsheal.com. There are other things you can see there, which I did many years ago, videos that you can, if you want to watch them all, you have to pay a little bit. But um, 
there on that site, this post is quite important. And it has some research I've done that shows that these products could possibly, there's no way I know, of course, for sure, but the evidence would seem to indicate that this particular product is possibly equal, possibly, only possibly, without the side effects because it's natural, possibly equal to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, possibly. Because I know, and it's not quisetrin. This is a new product, a new product that was recent because quisetrin doesn't address the lungs. This addresses the lungs, like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin does. Everyone's saying, oh, yeah, quisetrin, quisetrin is the most close thing you're going to get to. No, there's something even more powerful that's just recently been discovered that's come out. You can check that out at helpseal.com. So thank you, and God bless you all. And let's begin to come together as churches in our city and have a place of continual prayer and worship to God or just make our churches be that place where his glory can come down. God bless you all.